It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, you guys. And welcome this Labor Day to our little labor of love. How have you guys been? Doing all right. It is a absolutely beautiful day here outside. It is uh, slightly cooler, almost, almost a little fall-esque here the last couple of days. Uh, I don't think that's going to last forever, um, considering Tennessee weather, but I'm going to take it uh, right now, and basically, like we were talking about doing some golfing or maybe some board games later on, it's just going to be a fun Labor Day for us. But we also get to talk hockey first, which is awesome. You know, my uh, mother-in-law texted us the other day and told us that the leaves are starting to turn up in Canada. And the fact they've already had a few trees just already dropped their leaves. They turned and dropped in a matter of a week. Yeah, but it's been cold there for a little bit. It's uh, it's it's going to take a little while longer to get down here to Tennessee. So, But I'll take this cooler weather right now, and uh, what a beautiful day we got. Yeah, not only is it uh, going to be a great weekend, but we're having some lights out hockey as well. You know, it's kind of critical about the second round matchups and, and the way they did the bracket this year. But I'll tell you, the series have just been all incredible. We had three game sevens on back-to-back nights. It's just been awesome hockey. I will say this, our brackets are trash. They're yeah, all gone. Yeah. Hey, I lasted longer this year than I did last year. I mean, literally last year in the first round, oh, I was yeah. done. Like yeah, was my first, my first series was done in four games, and that was my my Stanley Cup champion. That was the the Lightning. Yeah. So I, I was out way too early last year. But I tell whatever. you guys, our our fear is coming true. My wife, who picked the her bracket based on like the jerseys or the logo or whatever her you know girly system was, she is primed and looking great. Her bracket still so. She may end up winning. Uh, no, I think she's already won because, like, Philadelphia's out now. So, yeah, spoiler that was alert. our last. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's, it's funny just, how that works sometimes. Well, I said we just needed to get a dartboard this year. You know, we didn't do that method, but I, I mean, still, it it's been an incredible play. I honestly would have probably revamped my bracket a little accordingly uh, with those reseeding rules, but that night. It was like almost midnight, and I just I was just like I don't have time to think about yeah. it. So I just put in what I originally had because that definitely threw off some of my second round matchups that I wanted. So uh, it is what it is. I mean, it's twenty twenty, man. Stars are in the conference finals, so yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, it it's been a crazy year. That's kind of laughable. They, you know, we'll get into it, but I think the stars have been the the most uh, the team that sticks out the most as far as overperforming or underperforming the Dallas Stars they nobody expected them yes. to get this far this is insane this is crazy they are by far overperforming they're playing with house money right now yeah um, this is insane and honestly i felt like they should have lost multiple times in the previous two rounds so um man it it, it just is what it is right now but we'll we'll dig deeper into that here in just a few Matt, before we move on, I want to ask: Is wasn't there a little bet with you and your wife that if she won, you had to, you had to like give her something? Yeah. So I told her, I said, if you end up winning this bracket challenge, I will give you like an all day spa package uh, oh, man. or whatever. So and so, you know, every every game we watch, you know, every night when her team wins, 
She is just rubbing it in my face nonstop. You guys are losers. I told you. You got to believe with your heart. I told you Dallas was going to go this far. Believe and all this. with your heart. I thought it was jerseys. <laughs> so what you're saying is she... Can she named four or five players from the stars? <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying, Matt, is you're all about this analytical stuff, looking at stats and everything, and she's all about the grit, perseverance, and the heart. Yeah. Yep. So it looks like uh, I might be eating my words and there's going to be an all-day spa package, uh, included package in my near future. Daniel's for logging on right now to see how many points Matt can get and how many points Emily yeah, can get. Because I, uh, I think you're I think already toast, done. Boys. After the Flyers done. done, we're all done. Well, I can tell you one thing while Daniel's looking up your stuff, Matt, that I only can get a total of 84 points. And I've already obtained my 84 points. So my bracket run is done. Yeah, we're done. So you're saying that... Uh, I think everyone's done. The only points that are available are the stars in the conference final for Emily. And she's already beat you, Matt. So, But the good news is it looks like I'm probably going to beat Kyle again this year. So I'm going to get the so money. So you're going to get $10 to under. give $100 to Emily for her spa day. It's small so. wins. Small wins. Well, you, okay. you tell her that tell her my money's going towards her spa day. That's true. There's no better money to take than Kyle's money, though. So, And I feel bad for my wife. She only got 10 points. Yeah, that was... Uh, uh, she definitely picked the Canadians. It was She's a from Canada, catastrophic so. uh, bracket fail there. It was, it was kind of impressive at how bad her bracket was this year. In fact, uh, I may or may not have texted her a gif of a dumpster truck uh, with garbage everywhere showing her what her bracket looks like. So I do remember that, and she was laughing about it because she knew the Canadians weren't going to make it. Hey, I mean, you got to. But she also picked the, the Coyotes to beat the Avalanche and... Like she went big, go she big went, or go yeah, home. I mean, like, here's she the deal. If this pans out, she would have had the best bracket in the world because, like... Yeah, that's where you need some puck luck and stuff. But let's go ahead and get into these, I guess, second round matchups. You know, last episode, we kind of were in the middle of the first round. We let the second round play through. We're starting off in the conference finals right now. And we've got the uh, Stanley Cup playoff board from the NHL up. Taking a look at it here. And of the four teams that are currently in the Stanley Cup, Cup Conference Finals of these four, which team surprises you the most? I mean, for me, it's got to be the Stars. Obviously, they're completely outperforming. Um, their defense has finally found their rhythm, and on top of it, their power play is smoking hot. Absolutely, was killing it, and especially in the series against the Avalanche. Like, I felt like every penalty they had a chance at basically getting a goal. And I think they were operating around 26 to 27% right now on the power play, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I mean, in the Game 7 elimination game, they were 2-for-2 two two on the power play. So guess what? That's the game. Like, that's the difference in the game. So um, can they sustain that? Are they going to be able to do that against the Knights, too? I, who knows? I mean, we'll get into that series uh, here in a few minutes, but uh, I was absolutely shocked that they were able to pull off the upset over the Avalanche because I just thought they had way too much speed and I felt like the Avalanche were very sloppy in the series against against the Stars. Now, if you go all the way back to the first round, uh, most of us, I believe all three of us, picked Calgary over Dallas because Dallas is coming in as statistically not one of the best teams, even though they were in the round robin and they didn't have to fight for their playoff spot. They just didn't look that good. Now, if Dallas had gotten beaten and Calgary was in their place instead, do you think the Avs would be in the conference final now? Yeah, I think so, but also I think this goes back to some of their players are completely overperforming. Klingberg has almost as many points as he did in the 68 games in the regular season as he does in the playoffs. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, him him and 
Miro Heiskanen combined for fifty one goals for the for their D pair, and the, all the rest of the Stars defensemen three. have three. Yeah, it's not only that, but you know, this game went seven. Uh, your boy, uh, new guy who has eleven games, Kivaranta has a hat trick and wins it in OT. He's only played eleven games before. Yeah. So, and, and you look at uh, Radulov and is it Radulov? Ben. Yeah, Radulov. And uh, yes, it was Radulov, and who has been just on fire. This team, they're lucky. They're a historical underperformer getting in the playoffs. So I think I forgot the stat of when the last time they made uh, this far was. It's been it's been a few years. Game sevens, they're terrible. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they they've definitely they're taking the house money and running with it at this point. And I mean, good for them though. Everything is clicking and it's been working. And some of the other teams haven't been performing up to you know up to snuff at this point. So. It's, it is what it is, and it's definitely shocked me. And they even took Game One in the conference finals against the Golden Knights with a shutout. How yeah, crazy is that? We were watching that game last night, and Dale and I were, and I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" It's like, are the Stars going to basically luck their way into almost the Stanley Cup Finals that they keep playing like this? Yeah, I mean, they're playing good defense, and that's and that's a recipe for winning. But at the same time, like, I, I just can't see them taking the series over the Knights. The Knights are such a huge physical, I mean, on paper, they are massive compared to all the other teams in the field. So it's almost like we're waiting for the stars of luck to, to run dry. And we said that last night, I was like, man, the game's halfway over. Dallas is up one goal, but I was like this, I know it's early, but man, Dallas is still looking good. They still have not run dry. And it's going to be quite a challenge to uh, temper that uh, Vegas offense. But well, we've said it before too. Like, the the thing with Dallas is they find it very hard to score. Like it, it has been very difficult for them to get on the board. But here's the deal: like in the playoffs, magically the power play has clicked, which has been incredible for them because that's provided them the two to three goals they need. And then all of a sudden they just lock it down on defense because they have good goaltending. Hudobin has always been he he's been actually honestly better than Ben in my opinion. Uh, he Bishop got chased out of goal that one game with the Avs where they scored five goals in the first period. <laughs> so um, I don't think you're, you're going to see Bishop anytime soon. Uh, I think they're definitely going to ride the hot hand out for sure and just play lockdown defense and then rely on those penalties to try to get a couple points on the board and they're going to shut it down. Like that's that's their game plan right now because they know that this is the, the formula for continuing their their playoff run but at this point man i'm just absolutely shocked and they have the series lead to stealing that first game and flurry played great only allowed one goal i mean that's that's the thing it's like the knights are gonna have to figure out the dallas stars defense that hard check-in track it it is just going to be very interesting to watch for this series and what do you think will happen with the abs they were predicted to go past the stars they you know bottomed out Injuries abound this year. The special teams were terrible. Their lack of depth score and really killed them. Do you think they will blow their team up any kind of like Toronto's doing right now in the East? No, I, I don't think that's necessary. I think that team is definitely built for winning and built to make a, you know some deep playoff runs. I mean, honestly, some of these trades that we made with them look terrible now if we look back. I mean, we, we basically traded Gerard for Turris, who we're going to try to dump this year. We could have had a better defenseman who's also offensively producing for them. So I, I, and on top of it too, if you look at their cap space, they have $5.3 million up for grabs at this point. So 
Like, I understand there's a couple unrestricted free agents for them that they're going to have to re-sign, but cap-wise, they look great because they, a couple years ago, they went through that whole revamping process. As we remember, they were terrible. They were literally the last team in the league. But now, all of a sudden, they've rebuilt, restructured. They have a lot of young talent, so it's taking up less cap space. And now they have an extra move. Like, I mean, they could honestly go out and get another player next year. So uh, I, I think next year, Colorado looks even stronger, honestly. Well, I like the point you mentioned about how just a few years ago, they were in the bottom of the league. And if you have to take that into perspective when you're talking about this team, where are they at in their franchise? And looking back from a few years ago, they have made massive improvements. And here we are. They just barely got nudged out in game seven, almost made it to the conference finals. And I, I think this team performed just the way people expected. Now, there was a lot of criticism I heard about their goaltending. You know, maybe Grubauer didn't play great. And then... And then Michael Hutchinson came in and he played okay. I think his first two wins were, I think they were both elimination games. So I, I heard a lot of criticism about them. I thought they played okay, though, actually. And if you look at the production, Nate McKinnon setting freaking records, of course. And then you've got a great Rantanen rookie. as well. Yes, Rantanen. Rantanen, Kale McCarr. They've got, this is what we always knew about this team. They're not like super deep. They're like a one-line team. But that one-line team plus a rookie or two is going to light it up. They are They are unstoppable. And that's the same criticism we had even going into the playoffs. We said, well, they've got, once that one line is clicking, they can beat anybody's one, uh, any, any team's other line versus line, but they're not deep enough to sustain that possibly for longer than one or two rounds. And when Landeskog went out, that, yeah. that, that was a big you know, hit for them, obviously. Like that, that was something that was like, oh, this is really going to make like suffer for the last couple games. And that was the problem is because the first couple games they were terrible and they underperformed and then they got behind on Dallas. So it's like, oh, it, it, it was very hard to see. But once again, that we literally said that in the first is like, if there's an injury to this top yeah. line, it could really screw up their, their cup run. And what do you know? There was an injury to their top line and, that just is what it is, but I do not think they need to blow up anything. No. I think they got a good recipe. They've already been rebuilding. They got that young talent. They got cap space, so they can re-sign some of those players and then possibly get another. Maybe go out and look to get another goaltender. They have three goaltenders right now. Yeah, that's that's the one mark on their cap that I don't like is the fact that they have three goaltenders out there. Hutchinson's a, a restricted free, unrestricted free agent this year, so. Maybe let him go. I, I don't know. They're paying $2 million to uh, uh, Frank Hughes as well. So uh, it, it, I don't know. That might be the one area that is uh, is lacking. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that uh, in the coming year. But Yeah, I think they're fine, honestly. We kinda, we're going to get into it when we get to Philly. I think we all are going to kind of agree. We think Philly shot themselves in the foot. So that's not the way you want to go down. And that's not the way, at least I think Colorado can hold their head up high because they didn't go down by shooting themselves in the foot. They went down because they fought a team that just happened to be better in Game 7. And that's that's the way to go. That gives me a little bit of peace going into the offseason. Another team that's going to be going to the offseason that I think is going home just a bit too early, but I think they ran out of gas, was the Canucks as well. To me, that was probably the Canucks-Vegas game was one of the funnest series to watch. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many that times was... we talked in our group chat over the, the Vegas-Canucks series. Let me tell you, the Canucks are going to be great for the next two, three years, it looks like, because... That team is very young. In the last several years, you know that they they've been pulling in all these rookies. Uh, I mean, Horvat Man. was on fire. Pedersen, it, 
it man, I, they're going to be fun to watch the next two to three years. You just wait. Um, Canucks fans have a lot to look forward to. I'll just put it like this, that. This has been by far my favorite series so far. It's just been incredible hockey. Like you mentioned, Pedersen, he had six multi-point games. Quinn Hughes is the fourth rookie uh, rookie defenseman to 10 points in his first 10 playoff games. They're, they're on fire. Uh, it's unfortunate to see them go. But like I said, this is, this is a good story for Canucks considering where they were and how often they made the playoffs before this. This was, this was a good note for them. And just so happens Vegas is hotter, but uh, this is a good look for the, Canuck, for the Canucks fans for sure. I think the best player overall, though, was Thatcher Demko. Even oh, yeah. though he's out, I if I could give a MVP award to just any oh, yeah. player in the playoffs, give it to him because yes. this man was amazing to watch him play. Here's the deal. Markstrom becomes unfit to play, whether it's an injury, whatever is going on. You have a guy basically starting in his first ever career playoff game ever. He comes up with only one goal against the first game. He repeats it with a shutout. And then in the next game, he only has two goals against essentially. And... He ends up with a .985 save percentage through three games in the playoffs against the Knights. Yeah. He hit like, uh, I think it was 91 straight saves in a row. Man, he's been the MVP so far. What a, what a good story. And I think, you know, looking forward, it's kind of interesting that people are talking, well, what are we going to do with Markstrom? Now that you got Demko, he's performing on the same level. Uh, I think he's on like a million dollar contract too, Demko. It's very interesting, man. It's crazy. I think they won't pull the plug on Markstrom yet because four games is still a very small sample size for a goalie to come into, but that's still an impressive four games against a team like Vegas who is just, you know, firing like crazy in all cylinders and they get going. Yeah, Markstrom didn't play bad by any means. I mean, that that wasn't he he did fairly well through the first couple rounds, so it's, it's not that. Uh, and he's also going to be an unrestricted free agent, so I'm interested to see if they actually re-sign him to like a four or five million dollar deal, and then they keep uh, Thatcher, so they have a one-two punch yeah. combo going in next year. Uh, it is important to note that they are very tight on cap space; they only have two point four million dollars. And on top of it, uh, not next year, but the year after that, they also have to sign Pedersen because he's going to be a restricted paid. free agent, and he is going to take up a chunk of that cap space. That's why I say the next two years look really good for the Canucks. It's going to be interesting because. Once again, that big time juicy contract is going to come up, and he is going to command a substantial amount. I, I don't like. What are we thinking? Nine million north, probably at that point. Yeah, like he's it, going to be getting paid. It's it's going to be a lot for Pedersen. Um, so, uh, but yeah. I think at least for now, it, they're probably going to stick with Markstrom because they know what they've got. And Thatcher Demko, they got a little glimpse there and a little piece of the pie there. They know he's going to be probably the next guy. He's in waiting. He's a good backup. They got a little taste, and and now they see what they've got with that guy. So it's probably still going to be Markstrom, and then in the future, maybe they'll ship him off for yeah, for money reasons. Six-year age difference, yeah, too. So it's exactly. 30 to 24. And you know so. me, I'm all about getting the younger players who are performing just as good as the veteran players, and you get them at a bargain deal. So I'm really high on Thatcher Demko stock right now. Well, I mean, that goes back to the Preds, like we were talking about, getting younger and working in that younger talent. like. Yeah, it's nice having Peck, but also at the same time, like, Soros is your future. You need to start playing Soros more. Like, like, uh, yeah, I, I think that is definitely the formula for success that we are seeing in the NHL. You've seen the, the, the Canucks do this. You've seen the Avalanche do that. You've seen the Blackhawks do this. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, and they actually won their playing around against the Oilers and Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl. So it's like... It's one of those things like I feel like you need 
a few veteran players for the leadership and, you know, obviously their points production. And then if you can have a nice, well-rounded, um, you know, medium range to the early entry level team that's fast and speedy and hungry, I, I think that has been the recipe for success the last several years yeah. in the playoffs. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot of this formula going forward. You were talking about that, uh, Matt. I think we were talking about this on Friday night when we were uh, watching one of the games at your place. Uh, about the Preds, actually, since you know Dana brought it up, the Preds are averaging around thirty years old for their group of forwards and defensemen. And one of the big drawbacks I saw this season, and I saw it last season too, is that this fan base, while it's a great fan base, seems to just not like having Roman Yossi as a captain. It's a running theme where anytime the Preds hit any sort of adversity and fail, they're like, it's because Roman Yossi's the captain. Well, that's, I mean, you, maybe you, if you're comparing him to the leadership of Shea Weber, sure. But when you look at, at the end of the day, Roman Yossi's still your best player. So I don't care if he's yes. got a C on his chest or not, or, you know, his leadership in the locker room, he's the best player on the ice. I he, don't care. He carried the team on the second half of the season. Especially, like, Lobby would have been, I still stand by this, Lobby would have been fired way sooner had Yossi not been putting up Norris Trophy level yeah. numbers. I mean, he was literally the team there for that stretch. Remember there was, like, a week or two where he had, like, all the goals, all the, like, he was killing it. So, I, I'm sorry. And everything you see, too, like, he is a leader in the locker room. He's definitely more soft-spoken than what m people around here might like, okay? Like, it's just that Swiss mentality. Yeah, he, he's like, it, that's, ju that's just how it is. Like, you look at Roger Federer, he has the same disposition. Like, he is still a leader. I'm not questioning that. He's the best player on the team. He deserves to be the captain. I don't care. The only, the only leadership I'm questioning is, is the Laviolette. Yeah, I'm glad we got him out. Okay, we settled that issue. And then also maybe the youngsters, the young roster coming in and our development of younger talent. That's the only kind of that's leadership I'm, worried, I'm about. worried about. Yeah, so, and I think the pieces are in place to do that. And I think we said before, Hines also being a developmental coach, like having the, that past track record, I think this is going to be very good. I guarantee you they're going to try to ship off some of these older people. You have two unrestricted free agents, Granlin and Smith. Basically, they're going to come back and say, hey, can you give us a deal? We want you, but we're not breaking the bank for you. Because if they want a lot of money, see you. Both of them are gone. Uh, and tourists. I guarantee you they're shopping tourists. Like, that just is what it is this year. But once again, you have great talent that could come up, slot in, and start getting some quality time. You have Tolvanen, who, out, who by the way, went to uh, Helsinki again to our favorite Jokerit team and is playing there in the offseason to get even more reps, which I thought was very smart on his part and the Preds organization because that signaled to me that they're all in on him this year because they're, they're loaning him, essentially, so he can get those reps in and basically like uh, make the team this year. I, I would love to see him slotted with Duchesne. That's just my opinion because you have a passer and a shooter. So uh, I, I'm very excited to see the lineup coming this year. Tomasino is another one. He's, he's like 19, right? 19, 20? Yeah, he's killing it in the minors. Yeah, so 103 points this year in the Ontario Hockey League. That's pretty good for your first season, you know, like finishing third in points. Like, that's unbelievable. So, um, I, I think you're going to start seeing this, like I said, with the Preds, because I think they're noticing that other teams have done similar things, like the Canucks, i.e. the Hawks, and they are getting good results by doing that. So, um, 
it's not all about going out and getting those premier players, it looks like. They they are now starting to see that mentality trickle through other teams, and uh, it is going to be interesting, the effect on the roster this year. Now, before we move over to the East, final word on Vegas and Dallas. Who takes the series? Well, first of all, I think the we've kind of been danced around it. We haven't mentioned it yet. The big issue in Vegas has still been that goaltender issue. Uh, we had that famous tweeted picture by uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's agent where he tweeted a picture of Pete DeBoer basically stabbing Fleury in the back and going with Robin Leonard for a couple games in this series. And I think at the point, at that point, Marc-Andre was like 3-0 and still. He still hadn't lost until last night. Uh, and so he chose to go with Leonard over Fleury. And, and many fans, including Fleury's agent, found that as a bit of a stab to the back to the veteran. I think that was quite interesting, and especially, it's almost like, you know, the coach comes in, he doesn't really have any uh, loyalty for Mark andre Fleury, so maybe he sees Leonard as the hot hand. He picks Leonard for game, for game seven. Uh, very interesting choice. What do you guys think uh, about that in that? You know what's really interesting is the fact that Leonard is an unrestricted free agent next year, and Fleury is signed through the 22-23 season. <laughs> so, I don't really know what the mentality is with that because it's like I, I feel like you're locked in with flurry for the next couple of years unless you buy him out like i i really don't understand the mentality behind that and he seems to be performing i mean like we have the numbers pulled up here the save percentages are basically they're almost the same, they're, they're almost the same. like i mean that's margin of error difference 0.918 and 0.910 um so, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's very startling because Leonard's played 12 games now. Fleur's only played four, but he's only lost one. So, I mean, win percentage-wise, well, he's he, obviously He only better. lost till last night. Yeah, and, la- and it was a one-goal game. And, like, uh, yeah, he only gave up one goal and lost. And they even went with Leonard on back-to-back nights, played back-to-back, rather than go with Fleury, who's equally as good. That's just, you know, it's a... I don't know if you say controversial call. It's definitely one that we can speculate on. I think the coach uh, favors uh, Leonard. I think, yeah, coach favors Leonard. But uh, I wonder what that does in the locker room. Uh, we talked about what does that do to the relationship, that tweeted picture. I wonder if there's some strife between the goaltenders and how that how that would affect your mentality on ice. How about affect the locker room attitude and if there's some strife going on with the veteran players? Because you know me, I like to honor my veterans. He's at, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and you're sitting him on the bench, man. That that just makes me mad. And I wonder if, that, if people in the locker room who have been playing with him for a few years have the same mentality. I don't know. It's one of those things too... Flurry also asked his agent to take it down, and I think he was very upset at his agent for doing so. And I know he came out with a tweet afterwards, like saying he fully supports. And I think their relationship is really good because Flurry's a great guy. I, I mean, he really is. Every interview that you see with him, every article outside of hockey, he's a great, genuine person. Uh, honestly, I think he's gonna probably gonna change agents after this year because of that move. Because honestly, like you can't go do that like you can't do that in the playoffs yeah. and start strike you know like like that's asking for it yeah, that I, wasn't a good look yeah that's like that's not what you want when you're trying to do a deep playoff run so uh i i think it was more his agent going rogue than flurry you know obviously yeah. drumming up anything but at the same time I mean, it's a good position for the knights to be in because they got like one a one b i mean both of them are performing equally as well so I mean, basically, it's up to the team in front of them to start kicking the offense back up because I feel like that's dried up the last couple of games. Their power play hasn't looked as sharp the last few games. So I think long term, the Knights do beat 
the stars. I keep saying that, but the the stars just somehow yeah. ma- somehow managed to like pull the rabbit out of the hat. I mean, my goodness, the one game against the Avalanche, um, the puck goes behind the net, basically stopped as the backboard by the goalie, and I think it was Kale McCarr turned literally it over, like, yeah. turned it over, and that was the game winning yeah. goal for the stars. And guess yep. what? That's the series because it goes to seven. Yep. And I'm like, and then you got it, it's stuff like that that I'm like how like where's their luck gonna run out you know what i mean like the stars like have to eventually run out of luck because they should have lost against the Acc- accidental one goal games then that that rookie comes in after playing 11 goals uh, 11 games and gets a hattie yeah their I, luck is running out this series i'm sorry i don't care i think it's gonna be a longer series than i thought yeah, I, think I think it's so. gonna be like a because especially they snuck in game one already yeah so it's gonna be a six maybe seven game series again but I think that's because they are playing solid defense. Dallas has the recipe for making those long playoff runs with that solid defense, but I think at some point it's just got to run out because you're going to have solid defense for the Vegas Golden Knights too. They only gave up one goal last night, so uh, I think if they're doing that the rest of the way, Vegas definitely has the advantage at scoring goals. <laughs> but talk about talk about a new franchise. What's this, two or three years in and Vegas has already yes, made? I said that in the text. That they have already made the conference finals twice since 2017. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So where, like, you you think about this expansion draft. I am very interested to see one how Seattle fares in the expansion. Now, I will say this: it was a very favorable year. I mean, who gets to draft Flurry straight out as your goaltender? I, I mean, come on, like that's that's a pretty good draw year because it just so happened like Pittsburgh had a one A one B situation and. They went with the younger option. And Flurry, I mean, he's a Stanley Cup champion. Like, this is a great goaltender. So I, I think the rules for the expansion draft are highly favorable. I mean, highly favorable. Because if you look at teams that came into the league around the same time, like Preds, Florida Panthers, they've had to struggle the last 10, 15 years to build something up just to get to the finals or the conference finals. They definitely did not have favorable rules like like the Knights. And I'm interested to see how long they can string this together. This, this, because I mean, they had, you basically have those first four to five years of just like no real opposition as far as like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be very interesting. And I can't wait to compare cr- the Seattle Kraken compared yeah. to the Knights. Like, if immediately, if immediately the, the Kraken make the playoffs and stuff, people are, are going to be screaming that the, the expansion draft because now that'll be the last two teams basically just come in, got free picks, and then boom, they're in the playoffs. You know, really, what I like about Vegas is they're the first franchise really to break into the Las Vegas market. Football and basketball hasn't done that yet, so I'm really glad that they've had such good success. Not just for it having to be a long drawn wait for 15 or 20 years to get successful, but because it looks good in the hockey market. It shows that NHL is still strong. They're branching out into new regions and getting a new viewership and a new fan base in areas that haven't been tested yet. So when these new markets are successful faster, it shows great strength in NHL and it shows that these little fledglings can grow and and become autonomous really. It's really a good look for the league and I hope they have that same success in Seattle. Now, I don't know if Seattle's going to go to the finals or anything like that, but it's really good for the league that these new fledgling markets are having success early. Yeah, and and my my point was just I thought it was a little too favorable. Like yeah. that that was just my only because I mean you're literally okay, look at this the Islanders finally made the conference finals 
for the first time in 27 years, okay? Since 2017, when the Knights have started, they've been to the conference finals twice and the finals already, okay? Yeah. So that that was my point. Like, I'm okay with them doing well and not being, like, in the basement like the Preds and yeah. the Florida Panthers were for the first... I mean, we were dumpster fires the first five years. It was just Detroit destroying the Preds every game, okay? Like, that's just how it was. I, I'm all for that better product at the start, but I also do think, and I will give credit to the Knights organization for putting together this team because they also made several acquisitions like Stastny and Stone. Those are huge players that they were able to get after the fact. So I will give them credit for that. And then on top of it, I do think it was a very, very favorable year as far as the expansion draft because you had several players that weren't protected that were excellent choices. So I'm interested to see how that lines up for the Kraken as well. Daniel, you were talking of the Islanders a little bit ago. You said that's the first time they've made the conference finals in a very long time. How do you think they're feeling right now? I, I, obviously, the fan base is pretty juiced. I mean, they're they're definitely one of those fan bases that complain a lot because, like, obviously, like the Rangers and some other teams, Tavares. Get, yeah, they get more. Uh, they get more. Um, how would I say media coverage than? Uh, uh, the Islanders do out there on Long Island, but they're getting a new stadium here pretty soon. They got they got the Belmont Arena with the racetrack going up. Their fans are super excited. Um, I think it's it's pretty good for New York. Uh, so uh, I, honestly, as you mentioned with your little jab, I don't know what in the world John Tavares is thinking right now. I know like he always dreamed of playing in Toronto and he made it there, but it is just very ironic and hilarious that the team that he left is now literally in the conference finals before he was there on a team that basically has superstars. So, I, I don't know. And I think a lot of that has to do with Trotz, too, by the way. I think Trotz has just proven himself as a top-tier, legitimate, like, one of the better coaches in the league right now because he is now led... He, he basically got the Preds to where they were, moved on, then took the Caps all the way to the finals. He gets Ovia Cup, and then he basically goes to another team that's been struggling, and now they're in the conference finals. I mean, it's amazing to look at what Trotz has done, especially with a team like Philadelphia, where we all three of us picked them to make the Stanley Cup Finals and to actually win the Cup. I mean, look at this. Game one against the Flyers, the Islanders shut them out, 4-0. Game two, they uh, you know they drop it in OT. They come back in game three to win 3-1. to one. They win game four, 3-2. And then the Flyers somehow find the energy to push back in game five, game six, to bring up game seven and... I told Matt, I said, as soon as the Islanders get that first goal in Game Seven, they're going to shut it down, and they did. And even though it was a, even though it was a, you know, a Game Seven feel, it did not have that Game Seven like excitement because you just knew that the Islanders were going to play the trap defense and just shut it down. Yeah, I'm kind of a the, you know, the Islanders have done well. They have played their system to death, and they are executing it very well. So it doesn't surprise me that they are performing well. I think they're luck has to run out at some point. And I thought that it was going to be this series. I think the reason they ended up winning was not because their system is better than everybody else's. I think it's the Flyers shot themselves in the foot. They couldn't find any offense. So I think, you know, the Islanders can be beaten, but Philly was not the team that was going to do it. Philly was flat. Uh, and, and you just go back to, you know, you really look at uh, the Islanders goaltending. Simeon Verlamov has been the best goalie in the league uh, this postseason. After, and it just kind of speaks to their system. After you mentioned how they win the first game 4-0, the Islanders at that point had only given up six even strength goals in 10 games. So the Barlamov had back-to-back shutouts. 
they've just they're incredible heart played really well i'll still give them that um now this ironically enough this is the uh, elaine was trying to become the third co or this will be the third time under his tenure that he was trying to come back from a three to one deficit and he almost did and which i I don't know under really understand what buttons he's pushing to get his team to to come back from that deficit but here's the big thing the flyers top performers were basically they just dried up like i i I don't know where they went like van reamsdyke was gone uh i i I, cotier hayes yes they they basically uh, i couldn't see them on the ice and give credit to the islanders for playing excellent defense but also the absolute killer stat has to be their power play it was pitiful. Okay, so they are currently, well, they were currently operating at 7.7% on the power play. And, and, I, and I said wise. this, and I said this in our text multiple times, Matt and I were going back and forth because at one point they were like 0-11 or something. Like, yeah. it, it was unreal bad. And I just, I told them that is going to be their undoing because these games were so close. Yeah. Like, like you got to you got to have you got to be able to capitalize on any advantage you have because the Islanders aren't going to give you crap on even strength. So if you don't have it on a man advantage, you don't have it. Yeah, uh, they just it, it was so sad to see. So look look at this. The game game 4, what was it? Uh Philly lost by one goal. Like and and that that's the whole point. Like these games are too close to not to not have your power play operating at a very marginal level. If like if they had operated at 15 20%, these games would have been like tied and been going into overtime the first couple of games. So uh, it is it is very hard for me to, like as a Flyers fan, this is a difficult one to swallow just because it's you you feel like you've shot yourself in the foot as we were saying. Like you had a good team, you had a great goaltender who came on hot, young talent and you basically ran into an, an Islanders, Islanders team that's very pesky. I, I mean, they, as Matt said, they operated their game plan to the T, and this is going to be the same formula moving forward for the Islanders in the conference final. i tell you one thing that I particularly like about this Islanders squad is you look at it, it kind of stands in contradistinction to teams like Colorado. Colorado has two or three or four main guys that do the heavy lifting. Well, the Islanders is kind of the opposite. They It's more of a team effort. They All the guys pitch in. They all do about the same production. you got one or two guys, you know, bars out, stands out or whatever. But it's, it's a by-committee effort. And as we've always alluded to, this is what you want to see in the playoffs. You get in trouble when your top guys aren't performing. So if you ha- have to rely on two or three superstars and, and they come up dry, you're done. But when you do it by committee effort, you guys that can step in and and cover when a couple, one or two guys are cold, and that's what the Islanders have been doing. And luckily, they're not a team that relies on heavy offense, so they can just play shut it down. I think playing defense is a lot easier uh, to shut it down than it is to try to find goals when a couple guys get cold. So uh, that's something we'd like to see. And really, I think that's something the Islanders are probably doing better than any other team is doing it by committee. Yeah, I think that's a huge key, as you said. the The depth has been there. I mean, you have people like uh, Brock Nelson, John Gabriel Pajot. You also have Derek Broussard, who's also a uh, unrestricted free agent this next year. So, I, I feel like going forward that this team is going to have some cap space issues. They do have about three million to the good at this point, but that is going to be needed because guess who's getting a contract next year? Barzell. 
Yeah, definitely. So that is he's been quite be, beat up this playoffs too. Yeah, by but the way. he's definitely going to get paid. So I think moving forward, you're going to see a little tightening of the cap with the Islanders, but it's definitely not anything to fret on. And on top of it, like, I, I you got to give credit to Trots. I, I honestly am shocked at what he's been able to do with all these teams that he's coached. Like he is top tier coaching at the level. Like he knows how to push the right buttons. He knows how to get his team to buy into a system and stick to the system. They have not strayed. Not like, I mean, at some point, we have to consider the Islanders as a heavy cup favorite. Like, I mean, like, at, yeah. at what point, like, they've now defied the odds, and I know they're going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which we haven't even talked about, their their matchup against Boston, which they looked super strong against Boston. Like, super strong. We even said, like, Matt even said in the text, in our text group, Wow, the Lightning have come on strong, and they even still have injuries too. Like Stamkos is still, still out. out. Like I, I, this is mind-boggling to me, and they just mantled the Boston Bruins. Like there were several games, it wasn't even close. So, um, I, I will say this: the Islanders are going to have their hands full with the Lightning, but I do think it's going to be a great series because Trotz definitely comes up with great formulas to try to lock down and try to mitigate all that offense for these teams. So he just did it with the Flyers. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, a conference finals with the Lightning. Yeah, I just, I just really like the Islanders. I know everybody, it seems, just cannot talk enough good about the Islanders and how well they're performing. And to me, it's kind of like their team will give you about a B-plus performance every night. It's a consistent, you know what you're getting, but if you look at other teams like the Lightning, they might have a higher potential and upside. They might can give you an A-plus night, but they might can give you a C-minus night. And that's the way most offensive teams are run. If, the, if they're on, they're on. If they're not, they're not. The Islanders, you know what you're getting. You're getting a good level performance every single night. And they they have just been incredible. So I, I like to see them uh, go further. And they're a team that's definitely been waiting their turn, so to speak. So uh, I, I very much enjoy watching Islanders hockey, even though it's kind of boring at times. Uh, I'm very excited for that franchise. Now, with you talking about Boston and Tampa, you think this is the last we've seen Achara? Oh, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> it just stuck him right in the heart. Yeah, you made me remember that. Yeah, I was watching that last game, and I forget which commentator it was. As they were in the handshake line, he was just talking, going on and on. He's like, oh, you know, Char is such a humanitarian guy on and off the ice. He's a beautiful human, the kind of guy that you want to hang out with. And he was just going on and on. And then he says, he says, this is going to be the last time you see Char in a, in a Boston Bruins uniform. And it makes me a little emotional, man. <laughs> yeah. Just go in the corner and cry a little bit. Yeah, I mean, these are, these are legends, man. Char is my man. So uh, it's going to hurt if he... So he doesn't have a contract. He says he he tweeted out though, that he wants to come back to Boston. Yeah. Let's keep that in mind. So he's definitely going to work with them. So well, he wants to come back, but you look at the Bruins on their cap space. They've only got six hundred thousand dollars in cap space, and Char's on a two million dollar contract. Yeah, yeah, well, you can take that Joe Thornton deal. But uh, I don't know. What I don't like is when these guys and somebody I was tweeting there on social media about it, and they were like. I said, you need to let the uh, the veterans have their last, you know, farewell, goodbye. The play, let them play their last year or two where they've been playing their whole career. And they were like, well, he's played, he's been shipped around the league a little bit. Well, yeah, maybe at the first of his career, but he's played more than ten years here straight. So this, he is a he is the franchise tag of the Boston Bruins. This is his team. 
So I'd like to see him play his farewell tour out here and not get shipped off for his last year or two like everybody else has to do. I hate it when that happens. Well, like, I mean, think about it from a Preds perspective, too. Like, could you imagine Peck leaving for the last... Exactly. Like, that would be the dumbest thing ever. Like, I would literally, like, be in tears. Like, as he, like yeah. that would be the stupidest decision ever. But like, that seems to be all the more common. And I could just give you a list, you know, know on and I on know. about why that happens because teams don't want to make cap space. They don't want to pay for past performances and all this. Well... You know, he's done your team. He's got you, you know, a cup. So you need to pay your dues and pay your respect to a Hall of Fame player here. So it's going to be very interesting going forward. I really don't want to see him retire, but I also don't want to see him play for anybody else. I would rather see him retire than play yeah, for anybody else. I, I completely agree with that. I, I just, I can't see him in another color. Yeah. You, you know, like, it's just, it would be weird to me. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that it's. It's sad to see, but also I did look up Stamkos is ruled out for the Eastern Conference Finals already. Shocker. So it's the one thing you can count on is that uh, Stamkos is going to be hurt. Yeah, unfortunately. Were you surprised though that the Lightning beat the Bruins four to one? Kinda. I mean, it was one of those games. Like I said, we talked about the very beginning of this in the qualifying round that it. That I told you. I said it looks like the Bruins just don't care about the qualifying round. But they and came then, on hot, like very hot against yeah. the Hurricanes. But then they ran into a Lightning team that was almost like even hotter. Like, yeah. and I think honestly, the Columbus series really, really helped get the monkey off their back for the Lightning because you got to think about this: Stamkos is still injured. They're still not firing at a hundred percent. And then they run into a, a pesky Columbus team that took them to seven games, and basically, I mean, like. Long series, yeah, too. Long like ones. you're talking about five OT that game. Was that five was OT. Two, you're talking almost three games in one. You know, like that. That's a long series. And then they come out of it. It's almost as like we finally got past this team. They kicked us out last year. They swept us when we should have won the cup last year. They they should have won the cup last year. Let's just they should have won the cup. Okay, like that team was one of the best teams, literally ever, ever. in the regular season. They should have won the freaking cup, but they didn't. So that hurt them bad last year, and I think it was mentally had them off. And beating that same team in the first round, I think, was the best thing for them because it just unlocked something mentally, and they're playing much more loose, much more... Like, they're not tight-gripping the sticks anymore. It, they look really good, and they destroyed that Boston team that came in pretty hot after the the, the Hurricane series. So... um. Well, it's going to be a great series, though, with the Islanders. I think this is like, once again, opposite ends of the spectrum. You have great offense, great defense. We'll see which one triumphs in the end. I think the game that really did just seal it in for the Bruins, though, was game three when oh, yeah. the Bolts came in and got seven goals. I yeah. mean, you just lit them up. Yeah, I think that was, like you said, that's kind of the moral defeat. You see the writing on the wall, and I think it took a little fight of them out of them after that. You're right. Regardless, though, your boy Brad Marchand got the goal. Yeah, I've been stroking Marchand off all series. He's he has been by far the best Bruins player, and you know also they, you know, we go back to the goaltending issue. There's been some controversy in that after uh, after Tuka Rask left the bubble, and, and that kind of you've been relying on Halak, and you hope he didn't get hurt because uh, you don't have much after that. But uh, Marchand's on his game. He's setting a couple records actually. But uh, to me, the Boston of this round was the way they should have came into. Uh, into the postseason, I think that first the first series where they absolutely destroyed, yeah, that that looked good, and now I think they settled back into who we know them as. Really, even though they had a great uh, regular season, 
But like you said, the Lightning have just been hot. And when they're hot, they're that A-plus performance. So I'm glad to see the Lightning go on. I think they were the better team. And it's out of all the four uh, the four series, that's the only one that didn't go to seven games. So that kind of yeah, shows it, you Tampa Bay kind of dominated that series. They also needed that after that long first round. Yeah. I, I think that's really going to help them against the Islanders. Like they've had a long time off. I, I did see a tweet from uh, David Krejci and it, and it was pretty sad because they he was even saying like commenting on um, basically Chara's potential leaving or retirement, and he was just he was saying like basically we only have a couple like couple more years for this core group yeah. in Boston. Which honestly, this team has been so good the past several years they probably should have won a cup during this time yeah. too. So it these are definitely those were two teams that you look at on paper and over the last three years and possibly the next two years they should have like either one of these teams should have won at least one cup during that time and it, it's very sad because he knows their time is limited the the time's running out it's an aging roster with all those the the veteran players and the core group could be uh leaving here very soon so and what do you do with rask <laughs> like we haven't even talked about that Just that's all for another, next season like uh i mean that's another difficult situation. They're paying him $7 million, and he's on the hook for $7 million next season as well. So, going to be very interesting for a fan base that really wants Halak. So, going to be a lot of moves for Boston going forward. One final note on this Eastern Conference. I do get to ask the question that I've been wanting to ask all episode when I realized that the Islanders have such good defense and the Bolts have such good offense. And that question is, what happens when a unstoppable force meets an unmovable object? Because that's literally what this is. You have one of the best offensive teams versus one of the best defensive teams. I would not be surprised if this series goes at least three overtimes. Yeah. And if you look really at the way Tampa, we say Tampa Bay's kind of dominated. Yeah, they got it done early, but their first seven wins were all one goal margin wins. So they're not a team that blows it out one night and then, you know, can't perform the next night. They're consistent and exactly the same way as the Islanders. It is going to be a freaking grind. And it would not surprise me if multiple OTs, this one's going to go six or seven probably. They're pesky. They're, yeah. I mean, they, the Islanders team, that's, it's a trots team. Okay. Like they are going to be checking hard. They're like, they are a annoying team to play against, honestly. So I, I think this is going to frustrate the Lightning a little bit. I do think the Lightning will probably pull it out in the end. But at the same time, like I'm not putting I'm not putting anything past the the Islanders at this point with their defense. So um, probably going to be my series to watch for the conference. I think I'm going to give the edge over this one uh, to the star you know, over the stars in the night series. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to see game one tonight. And it's funny if you look at the quote unquote seeding ranks. If you keep them, if you attach those seeding ranks as they go through the series, uh, the Vegas Stars is basically a one seed versus a three seed. And then in the East, you have the, uh, like I said, the Bolts and the Islanders, and that ends up being a two seed versus a six seed. Mm, very interesting. Yeah, this 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 is going to be a, a fun conference final on both sides, but I, I definitely think the Knights will pull it out in the end, and then uh, we'll get to see. Oh, oh man, could you imagine a Knights Lightning final? I kind of want to see a Knights Islanders final. Yeah, I, I mean either one would be good, but. Boy, that'd be some high fl- the high flying final action if it's the Knights and the the Lightning. Let me tell you. And if Stamkos came back for the final, that would be great. So we'll see. Yeah, Stamkos ain't coming back. 
who knows? I mean, once again, he had surgery. So uh, it was, I think it was on his core, uh, the core muscle repair. So that's definitely going to take a long time to repair. And it was only in March. So um, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know if I'm throwing him out there unless he's like fairly good, like, you know, 90% upwards. I'm not going to put out somebody who might be 75% and could potentially get injured again. And then you, you got to remember this. Our season starts in December. So yeah, if, he, if he re-injures himself and he's out another six months, then I've hindered the start of my next season. So uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, like I said, I'm, I'm going to pass on him actually playing this, right. this. Well, quick pick, boys. So who you got in the Islanders-Lightning series then? I'm going with Islanders. Matt? I'll take the Islanders. Man, my heart wants to do I don't know. Like... I am on the fence for this one just because, as you said, it is offense versus defense. I'm going to pick the Lightning, but in like, it's going to be a six or seven game. Like, it's not, it, like, I think it's going to go a six or seven either way, whoever right. wins. What about the West then? Vegas versus Dallas? Vegas in like six or seven. I want to say Vegas. Pardon me. There's a nagging part of me that's going, you, man, you Dallas gonna, is going to pick the low it. seat on both. No, I'm doing, I'm doing Vegas. Okay. I got Vegas as well. Okay. Do you guys both agree? Six, probably yeah. six games, six, yeah. seven. Like and six, especially six, six games. I think, I think both are going to be long series. I think they're, you're not going to see no four, five game now. I think this is going to be. I just, I thought we'd go ahead and get some picks in. So maybe we can be right about something since our brackets are pretty yeah, much already right, shot. Yeah. So uh, I don't care this year. <laughs> it's 2020, man. <laughs> so Matt, before we close this down, do you have any stats or anything for us? Oh, I've got a ton of stats. I figured for you, you did. Kyle. It's been a whirlwind of hockey. So I'll give you a couple of my highlights for uh, milestones here. My boy Elias Pettersson is now a tie for the third most multi-point games in his first twelve playoff games under the age of twenty-two years old. And yeah, that's a very niche category, but that's just one shy of Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby. That's the kind of company that Elias Pettersson is keeping lately. He's going to get paid. Yeah, he is. And Marc-Andre Fleury's 81st playoff win earns him sixth all-time passing Ken Dryden. And, uh, of course, uh, ever-present Nate McKinnon's 14-game point streak uh, to start the playoffs uh, past Bobby Orr and Marc Messier. Only one person has had a longer streak, and that's Brian Trottier. Uh, McKinnon also was the first one to 25 points in 14 playoff games since Wayne Gretzky did it. And Vancouver's Quinn Hughes is the first all-time now in postseason points by a rookie defenseman with 16. And Colorado's Kale McCarr is second all-time with 15. So two defensive rookies come in there and both passed uh, the record books for best defenseman all-time in postseason as far as rookies are concerned. And the last one, my favorite, my boy, 11-game uh, guy, Joel Kivaranta for Dallas, had a Game 7 hat trick. The last guy to do that was Wayne Gretzky. After playing only 11 games. Yeah, what a boss. In a game seven. So I think Wayne Phil's <laughs> seen all of his little uh, records get either matched or beat. Yeah, it's, that's uh, incredible. Just, that was, once again, Dallas, Dallas is lucky to be in the conference finals. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Like, good for them. Good for them. Well, guys, that's going to be the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us on Twitter or iTunes at Music City Gold. And until next time, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at C 
Dan Drum and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.